Clovercrest Media Group presents Sports Talk with R and J. Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I'm your host, Steve Risser, along with my co-host, Justin D'Onofrio. And yesterday we celebrated the passing of uh, we celebrated the passing of, of Kobe's of uh, the, cel- the celebration of uh, Kobe's life yesterday in a really, really uh, emotional emotional ceremony. I mean, with uh, with a ton of people speaking, you had uh, you had uh, you had his wife speaking. You had uh, you had you know my, uh, my Jordan, Shaq, uh, Diana Taurasi. Uh, you had uh, Rob Palenka. You had uh, you had a ton of people, sp- ton of people speaking on his behalf. I mean, it just and you had the the really good women's player for Oregon, Sabrina. Sabrina, uh, oh, I'm gonna botch that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, UNESCO, 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 UNESCO. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just 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 a really really emotional day. I mean, it was just you know you had to still. I mean, it still doesn't feel real that Kobe's not here anymore. I mean, it's just so sad. It just doesn't feel real to me that he's not here anymore. But still, it's just it it, it was. It was nice to see how many people appreciate Kobe and how uh, how how he was how how respected he was and how loved he is. And you know where I am a two spoke. I mean, he was kind of he's kind of joking around saying like, "Oh, Kobe never passed the ball." And yeah. <laughs> like when he told Gianna, like she she looked for the open guy. That's something Kobe never did. So it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to hear some of those people speak. And it's just it was it was it was a it was a tough day to say goodbye to Kobe, but. They, we said goodbye to Kobe in the right way with the celebration of his life, and it really was. It was emotional to, to, to watch. I can imagine just being in the Staples Center watching that, but it, it just was. He just was such a well-respected. And this is this is kind of the final day. We'll probably discuss this because now we're probably going to officially move on now from this. But still, a, a month ago when this happened, everybody will remember where they are, what they were doing, when it was happening, and people will. I mean, people will remember. This is the one event. This is the one thing where I think everybody will remember where they are and what they were doing when this happened. It was just so sad to see a player. It was so unexpected and so sad to see a player uh, uh, pass this early who had so much ahead of him. And Stephen A. said it on first take yesterday. He was the most happy as he ever was the last time he saw him. And that's what just makes it so sad because Kobe was, you know, raising four four daughters, right? Yeah, I think cool. four, four great daughters. I mean, Gianna was inspiring to play for the UConn women's basketball team, inspiring to play in the WNBA. And to see this happen is just so sad. But to see the celebrate, see everybody, you know, talk yesterday, it it, it made it made things better. I mean, it'll never the pain for Vanessa and those and those and those kids will never go away. But at least for one day, it it was a good day of reflection of the of the wonderful life that Kobe Bryant lived. Yeah, it was. There's so many great people on hand that were speaking, you know, during that ceremony. And, you know, Vanessa to sit up there for what it was like twenty minutes and just. You know, be able to talk like that. She didn't even really break much. You know, didn't really break any tears out. And and the one and the one thing that, or you know, there's a lot of good things that she said. But like the one thing that really hit me, you know, it was, was, you know, God knew one of them could not. You know, God had to take both of them. His, yeah, and and then, and, the, and the last thing really when she said, "You got uh, you have Gigi and I have." My, my my I'm trying to remember the other names of the other three kids, but yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, it was that was a really emotional moment too. Yeah, it was, and you know, it's it's because they seemed like both of them were so close, and you know, it, with Diane Trotsky saying you know she was going to be the female version of Kobe, and just you know how much potential she had, it, and Gigi, you know, for girls basketball, and 
Kobe just, yeah, Kobe, you know, since he retired, he's been so, yeah, it's, you know, he's been much happier to retire, you know, since his retirement. And the thing, you know, is it's like, you know, this was just so unexpected. It's not like, you know, he had a terminal illness and we knew this was coming. It's just, it was just, you know, it's just, it still, it still doesn't feel real that he's not here and we're not, you know, going to see him anymore, you know. It's still just it's it's still pretty surreal and it's still, it, it is it's it is tough. I mean it just it was just one day where he was just going to, I think it was a basketball tournament with his with his daughter with Gigi and he's now gone it's just it's just still so sad it's still is. so sad and it just it's still crazy that he's not with us I mean I mean he tweeted the night before then yeah. tweeted the night before congratulating LeBron yeah. then the next day unfortunately he passes away just so sad it is it, it is it's just. It's just tough to put in order. It's like, you know. And we'll go. We'll go over some of the speeches. You, you had. You had. Uh, you had uh, Rob Palenka speak. The 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 GM of the Lakers speak. I mean, as a friend, he's been a friend of Kobe's for years. You saw him speak. You saw Michael Jordan speak, which was outstanding. You even saw Shaquille O'Neal speak. That was uh, that was out. That was really really. That was outstanding. That was out. That was outstanding too. All the people that spoke, and then his what his wife is obviously oh, the, yeah, the oh, best. Yeah. I mean, just the stuff she said and, and how close knit that family was. That's that's just the saddest part is just how close knit the family was, and that the fact that they'll never be a family again, and the young daughters they raised, and it, it's just so sad. We're not gonna be able to watch Gigi play. Women's play college basketball, which she was going to, and then, uh, and then uh, in the WNBA, it's just so sad that we're not going to see that. It just was such a sad tragedy, and it's still one that's just so tough to get over. But yesterday was nice to see the reflection and the respect, and see seeing all those people there for for uh, Kobe and Gigi. Yeah, and you knew there, you know, would be a ton of people. It's just you know he inspired so many people and. It, Again, especially for this younger generation, now it's all in the NBA. It's like they all grew up watching him. I know, you know, every NBA player could have, you know, would, you know, would have been there if they could have, you know, like everybody loved Kobe. And I know as a player, you know, he, he said he had no friends, but yesterday proved that he's got a million as a friend. There, the thing about Kobe was, yeah, it's, you know how like LeBron, D Wade, Chris Paul, and Melo are close. Yep. Kobe never had that, those kind of like, like he probably had friends like outside of basketball. He didn't really have friend like people he was close with in the NBA because he was such a competitor. He, yeah. he he set such a standard of competitiveness. He was such a competitor. He worked so hard. And the thing is, is it's tough to mimic what Kobe does because there really was only one one mob of mentality. And Kobe had that. You want to mimic the mob of mentality, you better have the respect that Kobe had of his of, of his teammates because you get guys like you know Kyrie Irving trying to mimic his mentality. Kyrie Irving doesn't even have close to the respect that Kobe Bryant has. You have to have the respect that Kobe had and and his competitiveness and his drive. There's there's so much respect for that because a lot of us didn't grow up watching Michael Jordan and he was and he was pretty much very similar to Michael Jordan. That's why it was fitting that Michael Jordan spoke yesterday because Kobe was very similar to Michael Jordan with the competitiveness, the drive. And you know, he get you know, people would say, "Oh, he doesn't make guys better around him." If you're on Kobe's team, you're playing hard the entire game just because you respect the competitor Kobe Bryant is. There, to me, him and Tom Brady were the two best competitors. I've seen in my generation in sports. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I put those two right there, and it it kind of seemed fitting too that MJ called him his little brother because you know, yeah, that, and that's and that and that was perfect to yeah. call MJ because he he they, they, he really they, is his little yeah. brother. Oh, they are, you know, 
Um, it just, yeah, you're just, there's never going to be another Kobe. And you, you know, and I, it, just to be, cause you don't, you know, you don't see guys in the NBA anymore. You know, these rest days anymore. That would never be Kobe. Never, Kobe would never take a day off. You know, now, now you see, you know, these stars taking, you know, a game or two off every two weeks, you know. You were, if if that was somebody was doing that Kobe team, yeah. No, Kobe Kobe, Kobe, Kobe would not allow that to happen. There's no way Kobe would allow that to happen at all. No, it w- it wouldn't. And it's just yeah, there's just there's never gonna be another Kobe. And again, I wasn't the biggest Kobe fan, but I always respected him. And it, he he was a great player, and he's right up there, one of the best all time. Oh, he's to- it, there's top there's, three. Yeah. There's no question, Kobe is top three all time. Yeah. I mean, I'd say MJ one. LeBron two, Kobe three. I put yeah. Magic four, Bird five, but Kobe's top three of all oh, time, yeah. just because of the competitiveness and the standard he'd set for for everybody. Just and, and and he and he's so many people's childhood heroes, and he's inspired so many people for the way they play basketball, the competitiveness, and the way they they play the game. Kobe just had that competitiveness, yeah. and that's why he is a top three player to ever play the game. He is, and you know the drive, competitiveness, the winning, and you know. It just, you know, in his ability to shoot the basketball too was unbelievable. Oh, you know, it, all time great shoot, you know, one of the best shooters of all time, and you know, that, yeah, it shows. Eighty one points yeah. in, against the against the Raptors in two thousand six. That that was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. That you know, I don't know if we'll ever see anybody score eighty one points again a game. You know, I just. That's insane. You know, it, it, it's it's insane to score that many amount of points in one game. And I guess I shouldn't be, you know, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that he was able to score that many points in a game, you know, because it's just the way he played. He was absolutely, absolutely phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. So we're gonna go on to to the rest of, to the rest of the NBA, and uh, tonight's a really interesting game as Zion Williamson faces the Lakers. And how about Zion Williamson in his twelve games? The Pelicans are seven and five. And every every loss that the Pelicans have had outside of the opener against the Spurs has been to playoff teams. So he's definitely improved this team, clearly, averaging over twenty points a game. He's just been so good at getting to the basket. I mean, I've I've not seen a guy he's like the next Charles Bar he's like the next Charles Barkley. I've never seen a guy get to the basket the way Zion can get to the hoop. I mean, yes, last year at Duke, he was he was a phenomenon. But, they, but he, right now, he, he he is the rookie of the year, and he's only played 12 games. He's just been such a phenomenon in the NBA these these, these last uh, the last 12 games the last uh, this for the, the 12 games that he's played, and he's just been outstanding for the Pelicans. And I mean, they, they if they had him playing all year, there'd be no question they would be the eight seed in the uh, Western Conference. I mean, that's that's just how good Zion has played I mean he's just been just outstanding and it should be really really interesting to see him play go up against LeBron tonight I'm really excited to watch that yeah you know this should be exciting uh, Zion versus LeBron tonight and it's just for Zion it's just I get you know just how freakishly athletic he is for his size too six six I think like 285 like and he's strong too it's just it's just hard to, you know, like, that's like a NFL tight end. You know, that's like, that's a tight end and coming right at you, you know. It's tough to stop a guy like that straight to the rim. It's, it's the guy I don't want to be trying to uh, draw a charge on there, you know. Or he's not a, you know, guy I would be standing next to. But um, he's been unbelievable for the Pelicans. And and if he could stay healthy, you know, even going into next year and years to come, the Pelicans seem to stay together, this is like a, Dangerous Pelican scene that could um, 
be a thorn in your side in the playoffs with Zion leading the way. It's just it's been incredible to see what he's been able to do, especially only playing twelve games. It just you would think maybe you know he had some rush for not playing for you know what over six months, but they they're really not much rust anymore. And it's unbelievable to see how the way he's playing right now. If he can develop a jump shot, develop a the consistent three point shot, he's going to be a top a top uh, ten player in the game. There's there's no question about that. They'll, if he he'll be unguardable at that point because there is a way because he hasn't hit a three since the opener against the Spurs. But the way to guard him is you you want to sag off a little bit, pack the paint, and force him to shoot. That's 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 the way to defend him now. But I mean, get, going to the basket, he's almost unstoppable. He's almost unguardable going to the basket. So if he can develop a jump shot, it, it is going to be it is going to be over. He is easily going to be a top ten player in the game and a superstar for years to come. And I like you know I like Brandon Ingram. He's a he's a good number two there. He's really improved this season. So the Pelicans definitely have a bright future with Zion Williamson. Oh, they do. They they definitely do. And I think you know the one thing that you know yeah hurt um, Zion this offseason of trying to get a shot was with the injury. Of course, you know he. You know, denies a chance, but hopefully, yeah, this offseason, that's like the one thing he really needs to work on right now is getting that shot. If he, that does come, uh, yeah, it, it, it's scary if he gets that shot to go down because uh, there's not too many ways to be able to guard him after that. It'd be pretty tough to slow him down. Now, looking at the Lakers side of this, right now they have the best record in the Western Conference. The question is, though, are they the best team in the Western Conference? Because you look at, they have two great players in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But if you look at the other guys really around them, I mean, Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo, Danny Green, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, really, who's their third? And Kyle Kuzma could be definitely their mm-hmm. third score, but they really need to have a consistent third score because you compare them to the, to the Clippers, who... They've had they had a good good win last night, but they they do have some of their own problems, they, with, especially with load management. They've mm. been they, they really haven't had their team healthy for a good part of that year. Yeah. That, but you look at the Clippers, you look at the, you look at their team with Kawhi Leonard, with Paul George, who's been banged up, who hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, you look at Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, and they added Marcus Morris too, and Reggie Jackson as well. So yeah. they've they've definitely made some additions to make that team better scoring wise, and I think. It, it, I think AD is definitely a better number two option than Paul George. That's obvious. LeBron and Kawhi, you can debate. But I think even though the Lakers have the better record, I still think the Clippers are the best team in the Western Conference because I think they're a, they're, they're a deeper team and they're a better defensive team, and they got the better coach in Doc Rivers. Yeah, I, I'm with you with the Clippers because the Lakers after you know LeBron and AD, it's like you know Rondo was good. You know He's still – Decent, but it ain't Rondo from ten years ago. Avery Bradley's up there in age. Like they're they have a lot of more pieces off the bench that are older, and you wonder if fatigue makes start play factor as you get in April and playoff time. Now you know they're already up five games, so who knows? Um, we're resting all that, but yeah, this it, I I definitely think the Clippers are the scary team because I do love Doc Rivers as a coach. I think he's a phenomenal coach, one of the best in the NBA. Um, if you know, if the Clippers can not take days off, I think is the big problem for them at times. I think the thing is, though, they're resting to be as healthy as po- – yeah. they're, they're not playing for the regular season. They know Kawhi Leonard could win a championship. He proved it last year. They're playing for the postseason. That's why I think guys are guys are taking days off. Yeah, I, yeah, it, I think I, mean, I, I agree with you there. And so, yeah, because, you know, you've really seen the matter, especially you'll be playing in your home arena anyways – if you get the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, now I know if you're on the road, it'll probably be more Laker fans there, but I guess there's no travel or any of that involved. I guess the real thing, yeah, was, you know, play for the title, of course. 
But I think Paul George and Kawhi with Harold Morris, I think they're, yeah, they're a little bit younger than the Lakers, kind of more of the role guys are. And I, yeah, I think that's where I think the Clippers will get the advantage, especially you go in a six or seven game series. Um, you know, and they, and I think that's where the Clippers get the edge and that's in, in, in that series would be, you know, with depth. Oh, oh, abso- oh absolutely. Absolutely. And, but, and the thing is, is Kawhi has one, because remember mm-hmm. last year, the, the Raptors didn't have home court advantage against the Bucks, but, and got that we're down 0-2, but Kawhi was able to rally them win that critical game five in Milwaukee and was able to get them to the NBA final. So I'm not concerned yeah. about the Lakers having home court advantage against the Clippers. I still think the Clippers could definitely beat them if they have home court advantage. Oh, they definitely could. I, you know, I, yeah, Kawhi's been so great in the playoffs. I know LeBron has done the same thing over the years, but yeah. Uh, but right now Kawhi in the playoffs, and he's – He's been special, you know, with that what they were able to do last year with the Raptors, yeah, being down 0-2. It kind of felt like that series, you know, was way, you know, was tilted to Milwaukee, and all of a sudden Kawhi changed that whole script around. And if I, you know, I I, I would assume he could do the same thing again um, this year if they play the Lakers. Just because I think you know, I I think right now he's a li- he's Ben LeBron right now. I would. Probably take barely. It, we'll, it find out in the pl- we'll find we, out in the we playoffs. We definitely will. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be fun to watch those who go at it because I think that would determine maybe who we think maybe is, is still better, LeBron or Kawhi. Uh, you know, that would be such a fun matchup to watch. Absolutely. So we'll go to the Eastern Conference, and the top two teams in the Eastern Conference are the t- or right now right now are the top two teams from last year. And we got Ka- we got the surprise team, which is Kawhi's old team, the Raptors, the number two seed right now in the Eastern Conference. Number one seed is the Bucks, and they play tonight. And the, the Raptors have been a great have been a pleasant surprise all year. I mean, the way Fred Van, Van Fleet has improved, the way Pascal Siakam's turned into just turning into a, one of the top power forwards in the game. Kyle Lowry's had a good year as well. So yeah, the Raptors have been a a huge surprise this season. And the Bucks, let's be honest, they probably have the best player in the game in. Uh, in Giannis, I mean, now he's developed a three-point shot. He's pretty much unguardable. You have, uh, you, you, they, and they also got Chris Middleton, who's an all-star. They got Eric Bledsoe. So I'd say the Bucks are clearly the best team in the East. The question is, who is the second best team in the East? And that's the big question because you, there, there are five teams you can make a case for. Obviously, you can make a case for the Raptors because of their record. You can make a case for the Boston Celtics. They got a really good starting five with Kemba, with Jason Tatum, with uh, Jalen Brown, and with with Gordon Hayward. You can make a case for the uh, for the Miami Heat the way they they played this year. They're they're two games behind the Celtics. Or Jimmy, this team is a let's be honest. It's not, it's not a team I think that can win a championship in 2020, but it's a team that has Pat Riley's imprint on it. Tough, physical, good defensive, very similar to the ni- the 90s Knicks or or the uh, late 90s Heat that Pat Riley yeah. coached. It's very very not it's not Showtime. Yeah. Showtime was Pat Riley's <laughs> alter ego. This is his inner ego. The teams I think Show Showtime and and those the, the, and LeBron and uh, D Wade those teams were kind of Pat Riley's alter ego. This mm. is Pat Riley's inner ego. <laughs> Just like the, this team's very similar to the '90s Knicks and the late '90s with with, uh, with Patrick Ewing and uh, Ch- Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason, and and also similar to the late '90s uh, Heat with uh, with uh, Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, Jimmy Butler really good defensively. Bam Adebayo has had a pretty good year. Same with Kendrick Nunn. 
and so you could make a case for them being the second best team in the uh, in the East. You could make a case for the Pacers. The only issue with the Pacers is Victor Oladipo because they've had guys step up like uh, you know it was a bonus who was an All Star. You got T.J. Warren. You got uh, Malcolm Brogdon who's played well. The only issue is uh, Oladipo is not there yet. He's not yeah. played well since coming back and, from the injury, and that and that has definitely hurt them. Yeah, and, and Jeremy Lamb just got hurt, who was stepping up as their shooting guard for most of the season. So he's done for the season as well. So. They lost two shooting guards. Absolutely, and then you have the uh, you have the Philadelphia 76ers Who, if Simmons and Embiid could play together, I think they them they might have the best chance of beating the Bucks. But the problem is, is they just can't play well together. Even though Embiid had a huge night last night, forty nine and fourteen, that was phenomenal for Joel Embiid, one of the probably the probably the most talented center in the league. If he's as, you don't know if he's as he's not as consistent as Joku no. as the Joker, but he's. Definitely the most talented center in the NBA, and then Ben Simmons played really well when uh, when uh, Embiid was out. But they just can't play well together. So, in my opinion, though, the second best team in the in the East, I would say, is the Celtics. And I saw the Celtics play on Sunday against the Lakers. And if they let Jason Tatum be the guy, I'm telling you, this team is really good. Kemba, you can't win. You cannot get to the NBA Finals with Kemba Walker as your best player. That's improving in Charlotte. Charlotte only made the playoffs two times with Kemba Walker there. Kemba Walker is a very good player. He's not a great player. And uh, Jason Tatum is is going to be a stud. I mean, you look at him, he can shoot. He can take the ball to the basket. I even saw him, and he can handle the ball. And I saw him handing the ball on Sunday against the Lakers. Put up 41 points. And this isn't like he's putting up a bunch of points and the team's losing by 25. They lost by one. So he's, I mean, he's... Right there, playing with AD and LeBron, going toe to toe with AD and LeBron, he is a he is a stud. The Celtics need to run the offense through him, and that's going to be that. And that and that's how they're going to have the most success in the playoffs this year. You saw him emerge in the playoffs two years ago. Last year, that team was a mess because Kyrie Irving forgot that Jason Tatum was on his team. So I mean, they need to play through Jason Tatum, and if they do, I think they're the second best team in the in the. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, because you look at the, the Raptors. I like Pascal Siakam, but I, I just don't. Mm-hmm. I think the loss of Ka- Kawhi Leonard is going to end up hurting them. You look at the Heat. Who's their second best player outside of Jimmy Butler? You look at the Pacers. The way Oladipo is playing, is he going to get back to the level playing at the level that he did a year ago? And then you and then you look at the Sixers. Can realistically can. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid play together. Uh, that, th- and they're not going to have time to figure that out in the regular season because Simmons is going to be out for a while. So I'd say right now the second-best team for me is the Celtics. Yeah, I got to agree with you there because I think the Celtics, too, are the deeper of all these all the teams when you put Kemba, um, Tatum, Brown together. I think they're – and Hayward, I think they're – I think that core four is really, really solid, especially when they'll – Oh, I think the best thing with Tatum too this year, you know, this year was the addition of Kemba Walker really helped him a lot because as Kemba, you know, has been better than Kyrie. But um, you know, going to the Raptors, yeah, it's it's crazy to see them in second place right now. To after losing Kawhi Leonard, one arguably you know top players in the game, um, that he. Have been the biggest surprise, Jimmy Ball, and everyone was kind of like, "Why would the Heat sign Jimmy Butler?" But it was a great move by Pat Riley. Pat Riley made a you know great decision on that part to go out and get Jimmy Butler. It's really um, ignited this team in a 
playoff team. And yeah, my first out. my first uh, thought when when Butler signed there is one and done. Yeah. He's not going anywhere in the playoffs. But Pat yeah. Riley's done it really. Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley has built a team that's embodied the culture of that team. Yeah, should we actually? You know, and then you know, thinking about that, should we even doubt those two? Like they they've been so consistent for so long. It's I know. Like, you know, we should probably even doubt them. I know, I know, I know, I know. We all have the Sixers. The other problem I have with Simmons or with the you know. Well, actually, I have two problems with the Sixers. Is they're twenty-seven to two at home, but nine to twenty on the road. You got to win some road games, especially being a five-seater right now. You're gonna have to win a couple of road games, and then so you know, Embiid backed up his statement on Saturday, saying you know I was the best player, but he didn't show that Saturday. He kind of showed that last night, because then uh, you know, again going to Milwaukee and kind of calling out. I wouldn't say he called out Giannis, but he said I'm the best player, and you go in there and. You shoot five for eighteen, not great. And the Bucks, I think, won by twenty five, something like that. Twenty. You knew the Bucks were winning that game. Oh, back. I, oh, no, I would have put a hundred bucks on that game if I could. Um, you know, so I think Embiid, because you're in fifth place too. So I, I, I don't like when players speak out like that. You know, and then don't back it up, and especially when your team's thirteen and a half games back from the best player in the league. Yeah. You know? Um, I didn't like that. I don't. I don't really like the Sixers team. And the Pacers, yeah, kind of slowed down a bit, losing it. You know, I know El Depot came back a couple weeks ago. You know, again, that's knee injury is always tough to come back from, and you hope the rust comes off because he was playing so well last year for this team. You know, hopefully it just kind of gets all the rust off of him sooner rather than later. Losing Lamb, I think, is going to hurt too for these guys. He was averaging double figures. Um, you know, but again, wherever the Pacers kind of land. Right now, because they'll definitely make the playoffs. I, I don't see them dropping out here. You know, it's they had a good season. They, you know, they probably beat most people's expectations for this team. But going back, I think the Celtics are the second best team. I think they're a little bit deeper than the rest of the teams. I think they're more consistent too. Than I know they have. I know they've had their losses against teams that they should beat. But it seems like in the NBA that always kind of happens once in a while. It's the regular season. Yeah, you know, I think that always happens. But I think. You know, consist. I think you know consistency will come. Um, and I, I think the Celtics are the best team right now in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. So, so we'll, that that'll wrap it up for our NBA talk. We'll go on to the uh, fight from Saturday night and uh, Tyson Fury. I mean, th- everybody expected this to be. Every, a lot of people expected Deontay Wilder to win, but Tyson Fury didn't just win that fight. And I, listen, I'm not the biggest boxing fan. I probably watched three fights in my entire life, and you could name the fights I've watched. Uh, Pacquiao yeah. Mayweather, yeah. Mayweather McGregor, and this one. Okay, I've watched probably three fights in my life, and uh, the 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 Wilder Fury fight. I, a lot of people thought Wilder was going to win, but Fury was just dominant the whole night. He was just dominated Deontay Wilder. Yo, he was, and I do watch boxing. I'm more of like I watch like these type of fights. I'll watch like the big, you know, big kind of matchups like this. But yeah, it just. Yeah, I was actually surprised too. I thought Wilder was gonna be able to knock him out, but um, ruled him. But that and that fight should have been called much earlier than the seventh round. When he kind of got his ear that first second round, yeah, I was a bit about it. I was at work watching it, and they, yeah. I, I heard like the, the guys at work go crazy in like the fourth round, and like they probably should have called the fight then. They should have because he looked. I think the first time he knocked him down, he looked dazed. So he he looked like he kind of did not know where he was for a minute, and you know. He Fury did anything he wanted. He was laying everything on him. You know, um, I I was surprised he was. I 
you know, I had Wilder, I thought Wilder didn't knock him off, but man, Fury looked good. He looked very good on a Saturday night. Um, drilled him, I think it was the fifth round, he drilled him twice to the head. I think it was. Two, I, I thought they were going to end it then, but they didn't. But he looked, you know, he, he got a pretty good Fury. You oh, know? oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was just a it was just a total. I mean, just if all I don't I didn't think did you personally you, you can disagree with me, but I didn't think that it had the hype of the other t- two big fights though. I really I kind of didn't really hear of it until like a week before. It really didn't have the hype of the other two fights. Yeah, no, it it didn't. You know, I'm I'm with you there. That like Pat or uh, Pacquiao and Mayweather. It's like you knew you know like once in advance everybody was talking about it. this one. Yeah, I you know really started it started really to get a lot of attention starting last Monday. Yeah, you know, like the week before, but yeah, like the um, Big Gregor Mayweather one had a lot of um, hype to it, and uh, Pacquiao and Mayweather did as well. You know, like months before this one, yeah, it really didn't. If you know, you wonder if there is a round three that there, you know, if there's like a third, third match between these two, if it would get a little bit more hype than it did. But yeah, I, you know, I do agree with you there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and you know it just was a, it was a total blowout, and Fury proved why he's so great. Yeah, he did, and I, oh, he he did, and I just he came out swinging too, right, right at the very beginning too, and he he wasted no time getting, you know, um, he, yeah, he wasted no time getting um getting settled in that fight, and you know, I thought. I thought it was funny when he actually said, too, you know, I want to taste blood. I, I didn't actually think he meant that when he actually, the fifth round, ended up licking blood off of uh, Wilder. I was, you know, maybe he wanted that taste of blood, but it just showed how dominant he was and, you know, how, yeah, and he's he's been great, you know. I, he's got one career loss and what, 35, 40, 30? It's crazy. It, yeah, it's a yeah. crazy. I think it's like 44. 40. Zero and one or something. Yeah. I mean, knowing that I don't really know the box. I think it, I think you are right. Yeah. I think you are right. I think it is forty. Uh, just you know, have one loss in forty-one or you know, career fights is just incredible. That's just it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, next time there's a fight, we got to get like Jace Garcia or Jared Jones on to talk are about they, it. Because listen, I am like the I'm not a boxing person at all, at all. I know a little bit. I don't, you know, I don't watch it. All the time, so I'm not the greatest either. But I watch the big ones. I'm, you know. Yeah, I mean, listen. Sometimes you have to know what you don't know. One yeah. thing I don't know in terms of sports is boxing. That's the one thing I do not know at all. Yeah, I, I I've kind of know a little bit over the years of watching it, a little bit, not not too much, but yeah, it's one sport. That and soccer, I'm, I don't know at all. I yeah. know nothing about soccer. Yeah, I, I know my, my family played soccer, so okay. I, I and I did, so I know a little bit. I do, I do know more, a, a decent amount about soccer, but but uh, yeah, uh, uh, boxing, I don't know yeah. anything about at all. That's so forcing me to talk about this for like this fight forces me to talk about this on the show for ten minutes because we have to cover it. Mm. But I know nothing about boxing. So if you're if you know with the for, so for the listeners that I don't sound that intelligent about boxing, <laughs> I'll admit to you, I don't know boxing <laughs> at all. So you know, like say Jace Garcia listens. Uh, you could tell me. I don't know boxing <laughs> at all. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know too much either. But uh, yeah, I don't know what's going. I, I I watched a lot of all the Rocky movies and all that. All the, and I did yeah. watch Creed, so I I have experience of that. That's about it, though. Yes, yes, never, yes. never boxed. Yes, yes, yes. 
So uh, we'll move on to the uh, NFL, and we talk about that league every single week. Mm -hmm. And there was even a story this week, and it was about the owners approving the 17-game schedule. schedule, uh, So they'll add an extra game and then add two extra playoff teams. So last year, the Rams would have made it in the NFC, and the Steelers would have made it in the AFC. I, I like I like expanding the playoffs and I like uh, expanding another game, taking away a preseason game and then adding another regular season game. I like it as a fan, but you know the players. Mm-hmm. JJ Watt made it clear it was a hard no. He did not like this yeah. agreement. You know the pl- the owners love it because it's, it's, it's more money, money. Oh, yeah. more money, and uh, and more and more playoff games for them. But you know that these players are going to fight for fight not to let this happen. Oh, you will. It, it, they will definitely because. I still think it's crazy that these guys do not get uh, lifetime uh, health insurance. I think it's crazy that they don't get that because, uh, you know, this is such a violence. You know, it, this sport's so violent and it just we see guys with all these CTE stuff nowadays. It's just, um, you know, adding, I don't know, adding that 17th game, adding the playoff game. You know, I guess for us fans, it's great because it's like, you know, we get rid of that week four preseason. Because week four, it, nothing really happens. Week, any. It's like, it's, the starters may play a series. Yeah, the week four yeah. is the worst week yeah. in the preseason. And I'm telling you, look at these these teams now with these new coaches. The Eagles never play their guys in the preseason. Yeah. The Bears never play their guys in the preseason. The uh, the Rams never play their guys in the preseason. I'm telling you, coaches are not even playing guys yeah. in the preseason. They're kind of they're kind of using like the first couple weeks of the season as preseason yeah. games. Because you look at a team like the Eagles last year, the first four weeks of the year, they, they, they went two and two. Yeah. Two of the first three weeks, they lost to two teams that didn't make the playoffs. They lost to the Falcons, they lost to the Falcons, and they lost to the Lions. So really, they're using the first two to three weeks of the regular season as preseason games. And, and you see a team like the Eagles, they got stronger as the, as the, at the end of the season. So that, that's what you're starting to see now. Instead, of, they, They're not going to risk guys getting hurt in these preseason games. They're just going to use yeah. the first two to three weeks as kind of as de facto. Unfortunately, you don't want to say that in the reg- say that say this now in football, but it's kind of de facto preseason games. Yeah, it has. And it's, it used to kind of be like, you know, Week one, there wasn't much. Week two, you kind of see the starters for the quarter. Week three was like the one week where you see the starters play like a half or, you know, maybe even three quarters depending, you know, on, you know, maybe how young your team was or all that. But, yeah, now you, you barely see them. And I know uh, it's, you know, it, it's tough because it's like you don't want to lose your star quarterback in week two of the preseason because then your fans go nuts. Like, why is he playing the preseason? It's it, – it's tough as a coach is like you do want to get your players experience or not, you know, you do want to get your, you know, some of that rust off from the off season. But then again, you don't want them to be out for the season because they torn an ACL or I don't, you know, getting a concussion. They're out for four or five weeks. You know, like it's that tough decision because they get hurt. Your fans are mad that so, you know, you one of your best players is hurt or, your rust, you know, your your best players are rusty. You know, it's week four and you're two and two, and you know, and you're kind of hurting yourself. Maybe be down a game or two in your division already. So, it's it's such a tough decision for head coaches to make. And I guess it maybe make it a little bit easier. You add that one extra week seven, or you know, if you add that one extra game again for, um, yeah, I may just because it just preseason it's. it's you know, I think we. I think 
the way that's structured anyway, what the coaches do now anyway, it's too long, like four weeks. I, I think, you know, I, I would like it to be at like two and three would even be okay. You know, for some of these rookies to get their feet wet. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think four weeks is too long. I, yeah. I, I'd make it one or two, maybe I'd say maybe three weeks. That's hard. It's I, 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 I might even go two weeks. I might go two weeks. You know, yeah. have one game where, where the starters don't play in week one, and then have the starters play in week two. Take one week off, and then go into the regular season and add that seventeenth game. I, I would, yeah. I would probably just do two preseason games. Yeah. No. Yeah. If I, I'd be fine with two. You know, two or three would definitely fine because, you know, it, Cause yeah, it's for most of these guys, like for most of these veterans, it's like they really only need, I think, a quarter, quarter to maybe to get going. Like, you know, for some of the older guys that have done this many, many times, you know, I think it's more of advantage for the rookies to play these preseason games. Um, but again, you give them a game or two, and I think, you know, the rust kind of, and they get their feet wet, and it's better for them. But um, you know, it's fans. I like the extra game, you know kind of well, messes up all their scheduling because I know they do, you know, with uh, the divisions, all that. But, um, you know, football fans, another week. And I think it makes um, – it could make, like, that last week interesting more because, it, like, it, there's usually only one or two good games on, like, week 17, you know. So maybe, you know, if they add – maybe there's – if maybe there's another team fighting for a playoff spot, maybe it makes that week 17 a little bit more interesting because there's more teams that could get in this week. Um, then if we, you know, if there were still only 16 games, it could make it a little bit more interesting because I know week 17 sometimes is boring. And, and even going for the one or two seeds, you know, like, you know, you got it. Because now I think it's so much more important to get that one because now you're, you get that by and you, you, you know, and instead of you and the two seed, I think it really, it couldn't make it a little bit more interesting in week seven or the last week of the season. Oh yeah. I mean, that number one seed is going to be so crucial because you're the one team that's going to have a buy. Cause now the number, because the difference between the one and two seed is going to be like, yeah. it's like the difference between the two and three seed. You saw that as, uh, with the Pats this year, when they lost that game to the dolphins, they had to go in and play a wild card game. They ended up losing. So they went from being a team from having a buy to end up having to play in the first round, which they probably never even expected to have to yeah. play in the first round. Then you looked at Kansas city that ended up getting that buy, and, they ended, and then they ended up going, winning the super bowl. The Patriots lose in the first round, Kansas city ends up winning the super bowl. And, 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 you, and then you look at it. So, it's going to be a huge difference. That whole that number one seed is going to be humongous because you, you, uh, yeah, you, you, it's it's a difference from playing in the first round to uh, to having to, to having a buy and probably playing the lowest overall seed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that number one's that number one seed is going to be humongous if this new format goes through. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, I you know I I like that they're going to add it. I, the only thing is now is like it's fourteen teams you're going to have, and it's like that another decision where it's like almost half your teams are in the playoffs. Like, you know, like the NBA and NHL kind of have over half their teams are in the playoffs. That's the only thing. But again, it, it would make that final week more interesting. So I, I guess I'm for it. I, I am for it. Cause now you got wild card games that, you know, you get three a day now for the wild card, which, you know, more exciting. Cause you get, you know, more football. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll go on to college basketball, and it's starting to get interesting because we are uh, less than three weeks, less than days. yeah, less than three weeks from Selection Sunday. And first, before we do our in and out game with Justin, it'll be that's our new game we're playing mm-hmm. on this show, the in and out game. We'll go over some of the games from this week, 
and we'll go over we'll go over some of the games. We'll start on for Saturday's game and Saturday's game. We got the two leading scores, two of the top scores in the Big East going up against each other. You got Miles Powell and Seton Hall facing uh, um, Marquette. Mar- Marquette. Marquette with uh, Marcus Howard. So this should be an exciting game. I think it's going to be close, but I got Marquette winning over Seton Hall. I got Seton Hall pulling it out. They've been struggling of late. They got in the last week in Butler State, John. They're starting to kind of figure it back out after blowing, um, you know, three straight. Uh, two of the best players in the country, Powell and Howard. To get, you know, I think Powell gets a little bit more love than Howard. Nobody really talks about Marcus Howard anywhere. I don't never hear Marcus Marcus Howard. He's having a great year. Yeah, I mean, he's a great scorer, but he's kind of small. So he as is, an NBA prospect, you might tough. think he'll probably be a late first, early second round pick. Yeah, because he's five nine. Five, really? Wow. Yeah, I believe somewhere right around. It, he is small. I think it does hurt him, but he he's the engine that makes Marquette go. Um, they have Georgetown tomorrow night at home. They've lost three straight. Um, you know, dropped out of the top twenty-five. This is you know these this this is a big week for them. You get two straight home games here, and then Saturday Senior Day for them. So big two big games here. But I think Seton Hall. I like you know. I don't know after they lost last week to uh, Providence. I was very interesting to see how they came back because their coach uh, Willard was. On a couple of the guys calling them out for having some bad attitudes at practice, they you know, and they they responded this week and played much better. So I, I think seeing Hall goes in there, they're playing a little bit better right now than the Golden Eagles. And I think if you can shut down Marcus Howard, they don't Marquette doesn't really have another guy that can beat you at the moment. If you if Powell can shut him down, and, um, Quincy McKnight, they should win this game. We got a battle in the SEC as a rematch from a game earlier in the year as Auburn heads to Kentucky, heads to Kentucky, has Lexington to play the Wildcats. And is Auburn's best player? Is he still out? Um, he has a chance to play tonight. Okay, there's a yeah. Chance. So there's probably a good chance yeah. he plays on uh, Saturday against Kentucky. But still, I don't. Auburn hasn't played that well on the road in conference play, and I and I and I like the way Kentucky's starting to play now. I think you know Emmanuel quickly started to play well. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Maxey's a good player, and. Uh, the, the the big guy Richards, he's a pretty good player too. Calipari's getting this team to play, and I like Kentucky to win this game at home against Auburn. Yeah, I do too. The big difference in that first meeting was Auburn went to the line forty four times. Forty four. I don't think I've ever seen you know a team go to the line that many times before. They did a great job of doing that. Um, and yeah, if, if you watch Auburn basketball a lot, a couple of weeks without Isaac Orko, this offense is so much different. Again, they had an eighteen zero run the other day. To get you know to get by Tennessee at home, this um again it sounds like he's probably I if he's got a chance to play tonight I assume he's have I'd say he there's a very good chance he's gonna play Saturday, but right now I I love the way this Kentucky he's playing uh, Cal Perry's doing a great job they went on the road last week won it at LSU they shot the ball that was like their one problem was knocking down threes they were only they were only a um third or. They were only shooting the three about 28% so far. And they finally, it started to click last week for him. Quickly, he's been unbelievable so far in college play. He's really stepped up. One thing, though, is Auburn did get 16 less, you know, get, get 16 offensive rebounds in the first meeting. And Kentucky's given up 13 a game. Kentucky's got to clean that up, keep Auburn off the, um, Austin Wiley off on the offensive glass. And they should be able to get this one at home. We have a Big Ten matchup and a rematch of a game from a couple of weeks ago that Maryland won in East Lansing. The rematch where college game is going to be, that game is going to be in College Park 
Uh, and I think Maryland wins this. And I think the way Michigan State's played on the road, I got Maryland winning by by double digits. I think they rebound from the, they rebound from that tough loss against uh, Ohio at, at Ohio State on Sunday, which you kind of knew they were going to go down. But I think Jalen Smith and Anthony Cowan had big games, and I got Maryland winning by double digits. Yeah, you are double digits. I got them winning about I got them winning sixty nine, sixty two. I think you know, yeah, Michigan State they've been really you know it's. It's been the whole Big Ten, you know. I think it's like seventy four percent of the whole, or seventy five percent, something right, right around there. The home teams I've won. It's been like the whole Big Ten conference has not been able to win on the road, um, and I, I think it, yeah, it continues as Saturday night in Maryland. I love the way Cowan and Jalen Smith have been playing. Um, they're undefeated at home. They're able to score the basketball. They play really good defense. They had in Maryland. To come back, they had the lead at the halftime. They blew it, and the Maryland ends the game on a 14-0 run in East Lansing. And Michigan State really struggled to shoot the ball that night, too. They're 4 for 19 from deep. Um, and they, you know, Winston's been good. Of course, he's been great. If Tillman and Henry can make some shots down low, finish, get some rebounds, they have a chance. But I think Maryland's just a little bit too much at home. We uh, finally have a good Big 12 game on Big Monday. I'm tired of watching Kansas <laughs> at home playing the two worst teams in the conference and winning by 30. I'm, I'm tired of watching that, which should be, a, should be a good game, though. You got Texas Tech at Baylor. But I just think with the way Baylor defends that they're going to win this game by two scores. And Texas Tech isn't the team they were last year, so I got Baylor winning this one by two scores. Yeah, I got Baylor. They're, Kansas and Baylor are on a totally different level than the rest of the Big 12 right now. There's only three Big 12 teams that are over 500 in conference like, play. Let's be honest. I think Kansas right now is the best team in the country with Dotson and Azabuki. And watching that game on Saturday, I mean, oh, yeah. Baylor had no answer for Azabuki. Azabuki was a complete beast. And when, If Kansas can shoot and they don't have to double Azabuki inside – as a buki, there oh, just yeah. was no defensive answer for him. No, there's not. That that's uh, pick and roll just rolled up to him. It was a dunk every time for him. It was he was great. Baylor could not stop that at all. Many teams have struggled to stop that this year. Um, Kansas is playing as the best team in the country right now. Baylor is right there behind them. Um, they should be able to get Texas Tech there. Yeah, they're not the same team. Moretti's back, but you did lose. Um, um, what what's his um. I uh, I can't think of his name, but anyways, Texas Tech, um, Chris Beard, so great coach. They play great defense. I think it is a low scoring game in the it, high fifties, low sixties. I think it's like the first one to sixty is going to be able to win this game. But I think that's Baylor at home. They're just on a totally different level right now than the rest of the Big Twelve. All righty, so we're going to play a game here. We're going to start playing this game. Now, now we're getting close to March Madness, in or out. I picked six teams this week. Justin's going to tell me why they're, they should be in the tournament right now or out of the tournament right now. And I gave him an easy one for the first team, and that's Indiana, who had, who had two wins last week, big win over Penn State on Sunday. Justin, pretty obvious question, in or out? Oh, and especially after the win Sunday. Um, the net ratings have 52, but they're 6-7 and seven in quad one wins right now, or quad one games, so – Pretty good. Um, and, again, you get Purdue and Illinois on the road this week. You split that. Um, again, they're pretty close to clinching, I, I, I believe, at this point. They've been very, very inconsistent at times. If they don't have a bad week, if they don't you know, go on the road and lose both, they should be okay. Again, and the noise is starting to pick up a little bit for Archie Miller. So this is, you know, this is a crucial year for Archie. 
But a big win on uh, Sunday against Penn State. They played well. Providence. They've won three in a row. Now Joe Lenardi has him as one of the first four in his, bra- in his, in his bracketology that he released yesterday. Nine and six in league play. Won three in, a ro- three in a row. Two of those wins against Seton Hall and Marquette at home. Big win over Marquette on Saturday. Providence, in or out? I got him out. And the thing is, I know the committee loves the way you play at the end of the season. I know we're getting that point. They've won three straight games, all against quad win, quad one opponents. Thing is, you lost to Northwestern at home. You lost to Penn. You lost to Long Beach State. You lost to College of Charleston. You lost to URI. You lost by three to Florida. I think the losses outweigh the good wins at this point. You Saturday, you go on the road and get Villanova. That's another quad one game. You get that one, I'd say they're in. I I agree with Lenardi. I think they're the first four out. I'd put them on against. I think the losses outweigh the good right now. Their net ratings after forty eight, which is pretty good. Lenardi has been their first four in. Oh, he does. His number twelve seed. Oh, okay. Oh, it's the last four. Okay, I have the first four out. Yeah. Um, I I think they they win Saturday. I got them in right now. I still got them out. I just think the losses outweigh the good the good ones. NC State, uh, seventeen and ten overall, eight and eight in conference play. Had the big win against Duke last week. Lamar Lenardi has them as a number twelve seed right now. In or out? I have them out. I'm going to go against Lenardi again. I think they have three. The difference for me is they have three quad three losses all at home. Um, you got swept to Georgia Tech, and the thing is this year too is they lost to North Carolina at home. That's a bad loss this year. I know North Carolina's not usually a bad loss, but it is this year. And did Cole Anthony play in that game? I do not believe. If he doesn't I, play, that's a really bad. If he yeah. didn't play in the game, it's a really bad loss. I don't believe so. And they they're at North Carolina tonight, and so um, you you know that's it's kind of a revenge game tonight for you. And that and they have Cole Anthony. Um, he also lost to BC at home. And the thing is, you had NC State. You're up at halftime, and you, you let the game slip away against them. So they won Saturday. I had them in. But they, they lost. Again, their non-conference schedule wasn't great. It was a little bit better than last year. They did beat Wisconsin at home. They did lose to Memphis and Auburn. And then the rest of the non-conference schedule was not great at all. Um, but right now, I have them out. Mississippi State, 17-10 uh, and 10 overall, 8-6 and six in league play. He, and they are one of Joe Lenardi's uh, first four out, in or out for them. I have them out. Their net rating is a 57 right now, and they just lost on the road to Texas A&M Saturday, net rating at 117 right now. Um, they only have one quad one game left at South Carolina, and Frank Martin seems get, are good around this time. They, they play their best basketball. They did beat them last week at home. You go on the road, I think – their schedule is pretty manageable. Um, you got Alabama this week at home, at Missouri, at South Carolina, home against Ole Miss. Those four games, you should win all four. Now, you, there's a very good probability you should win all four of those games. Play yourself right in the field. The thing is, it depends. They did lose a couple. They did lose one or two games before. Their, one of the top players, Nick Weatherspoon, came back from suspension in December. Um, it kind of depends on what the committee thinks about that sometimes i know they sometimes weigh that in there but right now i do have them out stanford 18 and 9 overall 7 and 7 in conference play another team joe lenardi has in his first four out i got sanford in i think this is i think sanford's a pretty good team um they had the one problem is they did have a slide of three straight they were able to snap that 
Their net rating is a 31. That's why I kind of really have them in here because that's that's really high for most of these bubble teams. Um, and the thing is, the teams that you've lost to, you get the face here in the last couple of weeks in um, conference play. Utah at home, Colorado at home, and then you go to Oregon State and then um, Oregon. Those are, um, or especially Oregon and Colorado, you won both of those. Those are quad one wins. And then you get, and if you were able to beat Utah and Oregon State too, those are both kind of revenge games. You kind of make up for those losses, kind of. So I think Sanford right now is in a good spot. And I got them in right now. Lastly, UCLA. Uh, 17 and 11, 10 and 5 in conference play, have won their last five games, and they upset Colorado on Saturday. McCarron's squad is red hot right now. Oh, they are. And, in um, or out? I got them out right now. They are playing their way into the bubble, and I'm very shocked at the way they've been able to go. They're one game back of, um, or half a game back out of, the, out of first place in the Pac 12 standings right now. Five straight wins, one of the highest teams in the country now. This is the best time to play. Again, they've lost the game to Kyle State, Fulton, and Hofstra. Their last, you got all three games at home coming up. And um, you got Arizona, Arizona State, and USC. So USC's at a team right now that's in kind of sliding towards the bubble. Arizona and Arizona State are both in the tournament. Those are three, I believe all three of those, yeah, all three of those games are quad one games. I think two and one, and you get a game in the big Pac-12 game or two, depending on what what else happens with all these bubble teams, I think UCLA is probably in. Right now, I do have them out. So, we'll recap this. So, out of the six teams, you got four out and two in. You got Indiana and uh, Indiana and Stanford in, and Providence, NC State, UCLA, and Mississippi State out. So, out of, yep. so you got two of those six teams in this week. Yep. Yeah, so far, um, you know, um, UCLA. You say I'm probably both getting hot right now, and I understand that. I just think the losses out. Usually the committee kind of outweighs the losses here than the wins. Mississippi State, tough loss on the road to Texas A&M. They should have won that one. And then NC State, again, they're just inconsistent. And they got hurt last year in the non-conference schedule. They had the worst non-conference schedule in the entire country last year. That hurt them, and I think it could come back to hurt them again this, uh, this March. Yeah, we'll, we'll end up seeing about that. And we got we are less than three weeks from Selection Sunday, so our college basketball talk will be, will be continuing to really, really ramp up Great. as we get through the month of March. We know Justin really likes oh, that. Oh, yeah. Next week, next Tuesday, first conference tournament. I think nice, nice, nice. Atlantic yeah. Sun. Atlantic Sun. We know Justin will be yep. watching that. Yep. Of course. So we'll wrap the show talking about uh, – uh, we'll preview week four of the XFL season and, and review week three of the XFL season. We'll start with uh, we'll start previewing uh, week four, and we will start with the first game, and that is the uh, L.A. Wildcats head to MetLife, head to, up to MetLife Stadium to face the uh, New York Guardians. Who right now the Guardians are the most dysfunctional team in the league. If in the league, if you're watching them, you know stupid penalties. I mean, Kevin Gilbride is starting to lose this team. They've gotten blown out the last two weeks to D.C. and uh, and St. Louis on the road. They're back home where they played well. They beat the Vipers in the opening week. Uh, L.A. I mean, got off that rough start. Fired Pepper Johnson as, as their defensive coordinator, but had a bounce back week last week. Had a great game as they crushed the uh, D.C. defenders, who mm. might arguably be the, have the best roster in the XFL. They crushed the defenders. Uh, 
39 to 9. And I think LA keeps this momentum going. I think Josh Johnson played really well last week. He's going to play really well again. And I think Matt McGloin or whoever's playing quarterback, Marquise Williams or Matt McGloin, they're going to struggle for. Uh, yeah, for the New York yeah. Guardians, coach lack of coaching adjustments, and and Matt McGloin just not playing well at all and not being able to stay healthy. I think this is an LA win, and this is an LA win by two scores. Wild Wildcats go to two and two. Guardians go to one and three. Yeah, I get the Wildcats thirty-one to seven. Um, Johnson, uh, Josh Johnson was great. The journeyman, the NFL journeyman. The defense is playing well for him. Fourth and four turnovers than Cardell Jones, who. Him and Walker have been the early season kind of MVP guy. I think guy. They, they, Walker separated oh, himself oh, yeah. after last week. Yeah. Oh, he, he definitely did. And, you know, for the Guardians, it's just another dysfunctional New York organization that showed up. In. Yes, and, there, and there's many of them. The Jets, the Giants, the, Giants, the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> there's many dysfunctional. The Mets, the, the Mets yeah, were at least decent, better last year. The Mets yeah, had a yeah, decent year last year. But, of course, again, with the, with the, with the manager situation, yeah. they are dysfunctional as well, yep. too. Yeah, they are. But, um. Yeah, the, I, I don't trust the Guardians. I think this is a blowout, 31-7. to seven. And the thing was, New York's defense was able to kind of keep them in the first couple of weeks, but now it just seems like their defense is kind of falling apart, and it just – the domino effects are in the call. Yeah, but look at who they played the first week. They played the Vipers yeah. with Aaron Murray, I, and Aaron yeah. Murray is pro, was probably the worst quarterback in the XFL. Yeah, he's, he's bad. Yes, yes, he's, he's, he's bad. He's bad. So, we second, second game on Saturday, the Seattle Dragons head to St. Louis, and that was a good crowd on last mm-hmm. Sunday's – to play the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks, and I think the Battlehawks have an identity. They like to run the football with uh, with Jones and uh, Kristen, Kristen Michael, and uh, their defense is pretty good. And Seattle's Brendan Silvers is not good at all. He's he's not a good quarterback. And I think Seattle on the road they're they're going to lose this game. And I think this is another game that St. Louis wins and wins by a couple scores. I got the Battlehawks going to three and one, and the Dragons going to one and three. Yeah, I got Seattle twenty four to ten. You mean St. Louis? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, St. Louis. Yes, yeah. Not I don't trust some Brandon Silver's four. What do you have? Another three, four interceptions last week. Yep. Yeah. It just I like I like Seattle's roster. I just Silver's just seems like he just kills everything they have offensively. Yeah, I like Keenan Reynolds. I like some yeah. of their receivers. Uh, yeah, Austin Keenan. Pearl, Keenan Reynolds. I like some of their receivers. Yeah, they should try Keenan Reynolds back at a quarterback. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I think it might work better. The, yeah, run the triple option. Yeah, exactly. Offense. Yeah, bring that bring that offense to and to the XFL would be. Be interesting, but because Silvers was good at Troy, he went in the Dead Valley, yeah, knocked all the fellas here. Yeah, but that, but I that's know. dude, that's Troy. Come on now, come on, that's Troy. It's Troy football. Come on, he's playing. But, um, he's playing. Oh, they're Conference USA, right? Uh, they they used to. They're okay, some, okay, okay. Oh, Sunbelt now. Yeah, Sun come on, Belt. but it's still Troy football. He's playing. He's playing. He's not playing against high level competition. Yeah. yeah, who came out of Troy? He played for the Cowboy. They came. Uh, Lawrence, or Demarcus Lawrence came for Troy. I think. Uh, Boise State. The who there's a there's a Dallas lineman he's probably retired now played at Troy I can't I don't okay, gotcha, I can't remember gotcha, who it is right okay, now but yeah. anyways um I love the way St Louis runs the football Tom uh I like Tom who's a quarterback too I like them at Old Miss Michaels um yeah they'll be able to pound the rock in Seattle a lot of creativity in offense too I like their offensive coordinator a ton of creativity and mm-hmm. I, yeah I think they'll beat Seattle by two scores yeah. We got the game of the year in the XFL as the uh, Houston Roughnecks head to Dallas to play the the uh, the uh, Dallas that play the Renegades, the Dallas Renegades, and uh, listen, Dallas is two and zero with Landry Jones as their starter. I don't think Landry Jones has played particularly that well, but that run game with Lance Dunbar and Cameron's artist Payne has been their identity. So I think that they're gonna they're gonna run the ball. They're gonna try to keep PJ Walker off the field. But I think PJ Walker right now is the MVP of the XFL, and I think this is this is this is gonna be a real this is an XFL mm-hmm. game. 
I actually want to sit down and watch because it's actually going to be really, yeah. I think it'd be really entertaining, but I got PJ Walker continuing his pursuit of the MVP in, in the XFL. And I got Houston winning this game. I got, I got it in close, really close one score game, but I got Houston winning this game on the road. Yeah. I got Houston too. The battle of Texas. Damn, this could be huge too. Cause this is like, you know, both teams, um, playing well. Like these are two of the best teams. The kind of a rivalry kind of maybe brewing. The XFL would love that, you know, but yeah, this is actually a game that I really do want to sit down and actually want. Yeah. Why? It, this should be a fun one. Houston too. The, you know, betting wise, they're the only, they're the only team that have gone um, games over. They're three and zero in the overs, but I think the rest of the league's like Oh, four. So, um, it's probably going to be some high, high score and I got Houston 28 to 24. But the thing is about Dallas is I know Landry Jones hasn't been great, but I think with Landry Jones, at quarterback, you kind of got to respect that he's going to be able to air it out at some point. And I think it's really opened up that running game for, um, for Dallas. It's really helped them, but I love the way Houston's playing right now and I'm going to take them on the road. The last game of the weekend, and that's uh, D.C. trying to bounce back from their poor performance against L.A. as they uh, go to Tampa to face the winless Vipers. And I think this is a close game, a competitive game, but I think that Cardell Jones bounces back and D.C. gets the win. I'm actually going with a blow here. I think D.C. is very, very angry right now, upset, especially Cardell, his first loss as a starter. I think this is like – I got a 28-10 to 10. T- I don't. Do you know what a Murray status is? Because um, for son, for... they they really shouldn't play. Him. That's <laughs> the problem. Yeah, Cornelius I mean Cornelius was... is a little bit better, and I like Quentin yeah. Flowers too. Yeah, I like Flowers, and I like I like Cornelius. I Murray, I don't think fits that he doesn't fit. I don't think Mur- Aaron Murray fits any system in pro football. Okay. No, he he fit the Georgia kind of scheme of run first. Yeah, that's not, you yeah, know. exactly. Yes, it's unmobile quarterback that yeah. cannot fit in today's professional football. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, there's still a couple out there that still a couple to, out there that are great at the line of scrimmage. That's why. Yeah, yeah and Murray's not not one of them. No, but that's no, why he's no. in the XFL. Exactly. That's exactly. Why. That's why Matt McGloin's in the XFL too. Yeah. No, yeah, his him too. But um, I I think there's a blowout. I think I think DC is, comes in there. Yeah, at least Tampa was able to put up some points. At least they got 27 points last week. So yeah, you saw that they that they might be better if they play New York again. They might be able to beat the Guardians the next time they play them. Oh yeah, I, I would not doubt that. I'd probably take Tampa if if they keep Cornelius like quarterback Murray. That that could be ugly. Yeah, yes. it could be one of the ugliest football games of all time. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RNJ. For my co-host Justin Anafrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week uh, recapping the NFL Combine, uh, talking a little bit more NBA, getting deeper into college basketball, and talking a little bit more about the XFL. So I'll, I'll be posting this video up at around uh, 4 or 5 o'clock today. We hope you watch, and have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to Sports Talk with R&J with your hosts, Steve Risser and Justin D'Onofrio.